Dark Shadows Literary License Podcast episodes. Ben Stokes here, exploring all things Collinsport, Maine, and following the likes of the Collins family, and the friends and foes, with your co-hosts, Tom Diamond, Jesse Fultz, Mickey Ray, and Keith Chalgo, Collins family, story about blood relations, literally. Your license podcast in the dark shadows episodes we'll be discussing episodes 525 to 548 and before we get started let's find out who's with us we have special guest dr jeff thompson with us who is an author of three books about dan curtis and he's a retired professor of english hello jeff how are you hello keith hello everyone i'm Hi, so jeff. happy to be with you today it's nice to have you here I, and, I'm and of course we have tom diamond with us Hello, Tom. Thank, thank you very much. Hi, uh, Keith. And uh, I'm very happy to see uh, Jeff here. Um, he is a dis- he's distinguished in his own field. Uh, and he has proven to all of us that Dark Shadows fans are smart. And uh, his, uh, his, accomplish- his accomplishments are well noted. And um, he's got a lot to talk about. So I'm looking forward to this. And we have Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hello, everybody. I'm always lucky to have all these men to myself. <laughs> and myself, Keith Shago. Before we get started, let's find out what each of us been up to. Starting with you, Jeff. What have you been up to? It's been it's the first time we've seen you, so yes, well, last first time for Vicky and I, but <laughs> fill us in. <laughs> last December, I retired from Tennessee State University here in Nashville. I had taught English at TSU for 35 years, as long as Search for Tomorrow or Another World was on TV. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed my time at TSU very much. I taught English uh, literature, study skills, and I always used popular culture uh, as part of my classes. And since retiring, I've gone to various Zoom meetings like this and Zoom conferences, and I've I've been babysitting one of my great nieces. I've been reading, writing, watching TV, uh, going to movies, playing trivia with friends. So I'm keeping very busy, as I always do. What about yourself, Tom? What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? First of all, I I need you to listen to that cultured voice of uh, Jeff's, who, uh, which, and and Jeff was in uh, broadcasting. Uh, for a number of years before he got into academe. And, um, uh, you know, so I I always used to love when he was uh, co-chair, when he was co-chairman or co-announcers of whatever at the Dark Shadows conventions back in the 80s. And he'd come on, hello, I'm Jeff Thompson. I'm here to talk to you about Dark Shadow. I, 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 I just love that, that broadcasting voice. Um, but what I, uh, but, but essentially, uh, I have uh, been um, pretty busy with my doctoral studies, and uh, I've uh, 
I am happy to say that as of the fall, I will be doing adjunct professor work at uh, the University of uh, Tennessee. Uh, not uh, what, what is it? Um, uh, it's uh, it, it's it's a university in um, Texas. Well, oh, Stephen F. Austin, Stephen F. Austin, the Nacogdoches. Yeah, uh, down so, the road. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and I'll be teaching business communications uh, for any for anybody who's interested. Uh, but I'm 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 pleased with that. Those those jobs are very hard to get, uh, especially now. And uh, so I'm uh, I'm proceeding. You know, so I'm proceeding with that. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, well, I've been I've been looking at old episodes of Mission Impossible. Uh, to keep myself uh, keep myself busy, and sometimes I almost find the doctoral work mission impossible. Uh, but uh, those, are, but you know, but things are things are proceeding. Uh, let's see uh, what else. Uh, just just trying to take care of business. Um, uh, you know, looking at uh, you know, looking you know, doing various. Uh, Doing various uh, sundry things uh, in terms of uh, in terms of research and uh, and and oh yeah the uh, uh, what you call it uh, taking care of the uh, what's taking care of life uh, uh, you know so 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 things are things are proceeding that's what's going on with me Keith and what about yourself Vix what are you up to waiting for the tornado sirens to go off. Um, other than that, now, actually, Asher keeps me busy. Like, we're doing his racing. We went to Louisiana last week, and we're having a state race and a belt race this weekend, and um, he's starting to want to do other things, too, so we're going to start doing a little – he might start doing soccer here and there as well. And um, just watching my usual uh, – try to keep up with the horror genre a little bit because of our other podcast, but I did watch shark exorcist. I didn't get through the whole thing. I sent the picture to Joe. Don't watch it. You'll never get your life back. I lost a half hour and it's like, Nope, not doing it, not doing it. Mm-hmm. But I still, I'm really happy. Joe Bob Briggs is back with his new seasons. And finally, you know, because they're, they're really entertaining and I, he interviews some of the coolest people and this morning, because we were waiting for it on HBO Max, I'm a bad grandma. We were, me and Asher watched Mortal Kombat. It was really good. But it's all <laughs> set up for a second one. I knew they were going to do that. I'm not going to tell you any of the things that went on, but it was excellent. And um, we were kind of excited about it, but I kind of knew they were going to set it up to where, you know how they do that in you know, a franchise. You know, they got something mm-hmm. good, and they're, you know, they're setting you up for the next one. So I don't know how many you know, it's going to take for that to come out, but it was excellent if you get a chance to watch it. And other than that, just not a whole lot. We're just trying to paint the house and put a new roof on because it needs it badly. And just that typical domestic goddess kind of thing, which is fine by me. What about you, Keith? Uh, Well, myself, I've been watching some stuff on Netflix. I highly recommend the movie on Netflix um, that I love that I've watched actually twice so far is a movie called Love and Monsters. 
didn't and Love and Monsters is basically takes place in the near future. And basically what happens is a big um, asteroid comes into Earth. And what does man do? They blow it out of the sky, which causes chemical downfall, which creates all the insects and all the animals to start mutating and become huge size. <laughs> Wonderful. But, but it's a very, very sweet movie. It's very well done. It's, I mean, it's probably one of the better things I've seen. And I've, um, I'm watching the HBO series called Them. Yes, I started watching that. I like it. Family so far. and a black family moves into a white neighborhood in Compton, in California. Isn't it set like in the? I can't. It wasn't modern day. Fifties, nineteen fifties. Yeah. So, um, and I have to sit there and say that um, the acting is fantastic, the writing's fantastic, mm-hmm. and um, but it's a show that you can't binge watch. It's one that you have no. to kind of watch for one or two episodes, and because it's so tense. You need a break from it, but it's brilliant. So I highly recommend that. Yeah. And still doing press and stuff for the game and for people out there looking to buy Back for Blood. Um, the game has been set back to October now. So no! it, won't be, it won't be out to June. But um, yeah, I got about 12 more interviews, which I'm doing tomorrow. And then that's done. I've done the whole PR exercise that I need to do. So and I imagine when it all comes out, I probably sound really stupid, but hey, that's life. That's yeah. exciting. Um, and other than that, uh, <laughs> and other than that, um, um, the PR machine's starting to come up because I got another game coming out next year, and that's um, the PR machine starting up for that already. So um, that's, that's awesome. Along. By the and way, of course, yeah, for our yeah. listeners out there, we'll be interviewing Dinah Manoff, yeah. star of Greece, Emptiness. And, of course, the fantastic Broadway smash, leader of the pack with Ellie Greenwich and Darlene Love. And she'll be coming on our show. Um, we'll be interviewing her on Monday, and that episode will be out in time for our soap episode. And yeah, she'll I can't be wait for that. Soap. She, that's so. going to be an interesting one, because we had Jennifer Salt on, too. And mm. they both seem like extraordinary ladies. I was, I was going to say, by the way, that uh, Vicky's tie-dye t-shirt is amazing. <laughs> uh, so, uh, for those of you who, uh, for those of you who can't see, uh, and, and you, and you can't because this is, because this, because this broadcast is going to be audio, but we do, uh, the audio visual and, uh, uh, you know, so, so that's, so take, so hopefully Vicki, uh, you'll continue to amaze us. Uh, <laughs> I had my Nosferatu shirt on, but I spilt orange stuff all over it because I was making Asher a snack. Oh but darn! Wear that next time. They'll get they'll get us in the mood. That's for sure. So that now brings us to Dark Shadows, episode five twenty five to five forty eight. And what we're going to do is cut to our blooper segment, and that we followed by our news, and we are right back. everybody, Tom Diamond here with uh, Literary License Podcast, episodes 525 to 548. We don't have a lot of new stars in this episode. Uh, we're talking essentially about Vince O'Brien, first of all, who comes back as Sheriff Patterson in episodes 532 to 533. And of course, we have David Ford from episode 530, who was uh, the last episode of the Sam Evans character, David Ford appears as Sam Evans' ghost. And uh, good for him uh, there. But no, seriously, he has enjoyed a great 
episode Stay as Sam Evans, and his last episode is played quite forcefully. Now, the big issue, or the big addition uh, to this block is David Groh, uh, who is one of the ghosts of uh, the, Nick, the when Nicholas Blair summons the head, uh, the headless ghost for Adam uh, and the ghost with one arm. David Groh plays the ghost with one arm. David Groh, of course, is famous for his portrayal of Rhoda in... Uh, in in episode 540 and and of course he's in episode 544 David Groh has an extensive history in uh, stage and screen and uh, it is very noticeable as far as uh, his portrayal is concerned Okay, Dwayne Morris uh, plays the headless ghost in episode 544, and he was, of course, a stand-in for Adam's body. Roger Davis is in episodes 525 and 526 of this block, and he is the uh, plays the dual role of uh, Nathan Forbes and Joe Haskell, and that's well. I should say is is that uh, Jill Crowders plays the role of Forbes and Haskell, and uh, Roger Davis plays the role, the dual role of Bradford and Clark. So we have once again we have Jill Crowders, uh, we have Humphrey Dallin Estrado as Nicholas Blair, uh, we have Robert Rodan, we have Thayer David. Um, there are infrequent there are infrequent appearances. Of uh, David Hennessy, John in five thirty nine. Uh, a lot of them don't come on till later episodes in this block. John Carlin doesn't come on till later episodes. We have one episode with Clara's Blackburn. Craig Slocum appears out of the blue, and of course Carolyn for the first time. Addison Powell plays Doctor Lang's ghost, and that is. Uh, very interesting uh, because uh, he portrays uh, you, you always hear him on tape throughout most of these episodes but for but for episode 5 and he, and he doesn't appear till episode 539 but he does have one brief appearance as Dr. Lang's ghost when Nicholas Blair brings him out okay so now we go to the bloopers and, uh, okay, so we do have a few. There weren't that many. Uh, most of the bloopers are confined to uh, basic, uh, basic microphones, that you, uh, the shadows of which you see on the, uh, on the sets. Uh, but still in all, we do have a few. And... Uh, so, in episode uh, 528, Alexander Mulkey looks away at the end of the scene and smiles and smirks. Uh, we do have the opaque mirror in Maggie's house, and that's replaced by a regular mirror for a while. And then we have the opaque mirror. We see it back. Um, the In episode uh, 530... 
Vicky Vicky goes ahead and says, "Well, I have to tell you the dream," and and then and then says, "I have to get away from you," uh, which is uh, cute. Uh, in episode five thirty, we have a backdrop of the sky. Uh, when you open the old house door and, and then you can see the set uh, so that's kind of and you'll and, and you'll see that again in another episode which I may talk about um, you also when Vicky has the dream you see the wall dividing the set in her room and then you get a glimpse of the candles um, the uh, in episode in episode 530 uh, you see the the ghost of Sam tells Vicky the dream while with Barnabas as the beckoner. Uh, but the previous, uh, in the previous dream, uh, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't, in the previous dream uh, curses, that wasn't uh, stated. In episode 530, you see Vicky's dress shoes underneath her nightgown. Uh, in episode 531, Vicky, instead of saying, what's the matter, says, what's the better, or what's the batter? <laughs> uh, in episode 531, the door in Vicky's dream is more ornate and sculptured uh, than what you would expect to see. Uh, in episode 532-33, slash Vicky coughs, and that's the first episode of, by the way, of Nicholas's attention to Maggie. In 534, outside the Collinwood door, you can see the backstage set with drapes up uh, to the ceiling as Nicholas opens the door. And then, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, the, the, and the funny thing is, is that when Sam go- Sam's ghost appears, that's the first time you really see Sam's ghost sitting down, uh, which is uh, kind of cute. Um, Jonathan takes the pill to make him sleep and that pill looks suspiciously like a jelly bean and once again uh, Jonathan sits in the chair uh, during the dream curse uh, very very easy in terms of the stage stuff uh, when Jonathan ha- when Fred has the dream uh, and then Julia walks to the chair Adam is supposed to okay when uh, when Barnabas is bitten in episode 536, Adam's supposed to have marks on across his neck, but you can't really see them. Um, Willie's, Willie's comment is really fun. I think the writers wrote that in uh, when he's afraid of uh, Barnabas. Uh, and he says, oh, no, now we're going to hear the dogs barking again when uh, Barnabas becomes a vampire. And also in 537, uh, it's Willie Luminous not Willie Loomis. Um, in 538, although Adam is dead, you uh, see his chest rising and falling. Um, and by the way, there's very good directing in the episode with uh, Leela Swift uh, of both uh, Jonathan and uh, Robert Rodan uh, because you see their hands uh, as they both try to get out of the coffin and they superimpose both images on each other. That was very good. Um, 539 uh, Humpy Island Strato makes a rare blooper May I pour you a brandy Mrs. Stoddard uh, which is cute In uh, then you can also in around 539 or 540 remember I mentioned that in really rather the first episode uh, I always felt that uh, in the drawing room above the um, above the control room 
uh, above above the wall, I should say, you could you could see the control room windows, and you get a glimpse of that. Uh, I think at around five forty, um, the Mozart music is also speeded up. Uh, now in in five forty, also David took the tape recorder out of the room when Cassandra kicked him out, and now he leaves it in the drawing room. When Angelique, uh, uh, with uh, for Angelique and Nicholas to hear it. So in the prior episode, he took the tape recorder out with him, which wouldn't have been a good idea. And they corrected, they corrected it in this episode. Nicholas is looking at the teleprompter uh, as usual. Then in the next, then in five forty-one, this is great. Nicholas picks up the portrait of Betty Hanscom. Hanscom, and remember Betty, that plot with Betty Hanscom. He looks out and he doesn't note the. He looks at it. He does not note the resemblance to Vicky. That's hilarious. Um, in five forty-one, David Hennessy says she seemed to understood instead of she seemed to understand. In episode five forty-two, uh, well, you know, we always saw, you know Adam is now in the West Wing and he's being kept in a in a room probably the same room that Vicky was kept in during the first year. And the question is, uh, where does he go to the bathroom? I never figured that out. Um, and as Nicholas and uh, opens the Collinwood door, you again get a great view of the backdrop in the backstage set. Stokes' uh, Stokes's remark is priceless. A humorless man is an incomplete man. That's a good line for him. Uh, in episode 545, uh, the house, uh, Nicholas has a bruise over his left temple with swelling and discoloration. That's Humper Allen Estrado. Wonder how he got, wonder how he got that. Uh, Angelique, uh, in episode 546, uh, wants to, is, is going to strike at him with a hatchet, uh, and Nicholas intervenes. And uh, Adam, Adam says, Rodan says, who are you? But he says it so fast that it comes out, it sounds like whore, which is uh, tremendous, uh, because that's also in the closed captioning. He's calling uh, Angelica whore. Uh, I'm sure at that point, Adam really, uh, unless Stokes was giving him uh, illicit material, I kind of wonder how Adam uh, picked that one up. Um, also, uh, for the first time in episode 546, Nicholas refers to my master when he talks about Adam. That's a good setup. And finally, Fritz speak in episode 546 or 547. Uh, if He says, if peace were mine to give, I wouldn't have to be honest. Try to figure that one out. Okay, everybody, that is episodes 545 to 525 to 548, and I hope you enjoyed this long recitation, and now have a great day. Take care, and we're back to the show. Synopsis of Dark Shadows from 
1st of July, 1968 to 31st of July, 1968. Nicholas urges Victoria to lead him to the tree where Cassandra was exercised. Nicholas brings Cassandra back to Collinswood and warns her of the consequences of her failure. Professor Stokes warns Victoria to leave town in an effort to keep her from having the dream. Victoria goes to the Evans Cottage for safety. Maggie sees Angelique appear near Victoria's bed. Victoria discovers that Angelique has attempted to trick her into having the dream. Cassandra raises the ghost of Sam Evans and forces him to tell the dream to Victoria. Barnabas and Willie take Joe to the hospital, and Victoria has the dream. Maggie learns about Joe's accident and meets Nicholas. Cassandra, alias Angelique, tricks Barnabas into confronting Victoria, but Juliet intervenes. After Barnabas forces Victoria to tell him the dream, he is attacked by a bat. Believing Barnabas to be dead, Julie and Willie bury him. Julie realizes that Barnabas is not dead when Adam gestures as though he was buried alive. Professor Stokes and Julia dig up Barnabas, who revives and realizes he is still human. Carolyn hides Adam in the closed-off west wing of Collinsborn. David plays Dr. Lang's tape recorder for Cassandra, who learns valuable information from it. Nicholas Blair listens to Lang's tape. When David later plays it for Julia, it is blank. When Carolyn brings breakfast to Adam, he reads lines from a love poem to her. Nicholas summons the ghost of Dr. Lang, who reveals that Julia brought Adam to life. Nicholas raises the bodies which provided the parts for Adam and learns where he is hiding. Nicholas meets Adam and befriends him. After Cassandra attempts voodoo on Adam, Nicholas takes away her supernatural powers. Cassandra admits to Barnabas that she is really Angelique. She begins to age rapidly. Trying to save her life, Angelique desperately begs forgiveness from Barnabas. And that is what happened during Dark Shadows from July 1st, 1968 to the 31st of July, 1968. And back to the show. Welcome back to the Literary License Podcast, and we're talking about Dark Shadows, episode 525 to 548. And what we have in this episode, basically, we'll start out with Nicholas and Victoria taking Victoria to the tree to where um, Angelique had her, well, we would say timely demise, but, you know, her short demise. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what are people's thoughts about um, this this storyline as far as Nick- Nicholas Blair coming in and starting to make a bit of a ruckus on the dark shadows? I think he's a tad bit annoying, but he needs devil horns probably and, the, and a pitchfork because that's just what he reminds me of, you know, but he do, he's doing a good job at it. Actually, I, I think he's doing a great job. Hunter Down. He just shows up like a bad penny. And I go, I'm really starting. I never felt bad for Angelique until this guy entered the show. Because <laughs> he just he just browbeats her. It's just a butt beating for Angelique all the way around. And I mean, this guy's got sinister powers, and it seems like he's just running the show for this block. I don't know about you guys think. I, I agree. I, I think that Humper Down on the Strato is uh, gives a commanding performance. Uh, as as Nicholas, um, he's uh, he just uh, he's scintillating, uh, and you can really uh, get a good impression of uh, he just he just dominates, and you you know that he's the boss, and he comes yeah. across it, and he comes across as that, and uh, other other performances maybe. Uh, 
are probably overshadowed, uh, probably overshadowed to a certain extent uh, by what yeah. he does. You, He's you have very some, dominating yeah. force. What do you think, Jeff? What are your What do you take? Oh, your take? Uh, Humbert Alan Estrado as Nicholas Blair has always been one of my favorite characters. Uh, the actor makes such great use of his face and body. He's always impeccably dressed. Yeah. And you're right. He does seem to command every scene that he's in. Um, uh, he really made all of the other characters on the show and made us viewers sit up and take notice of him when he knocked on the door and arrived at Collinwood. Don't you think it's rather odd that Roger just lets everybody in and doesn't even look for ID or something? He just show up at Collinswood and yeah, you, yeah, he can stay upstairs in one of the bedrooms. It doesn't matter. Go on in. <laughs> and I mean, I looking to... the way he does, I mean, he looks evil. Well, another thing I find, I, I'm kind of wondering um, what, what was the motivation for the character as far as he's in, he's, as you notice, he's in Victorian dress. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of wondering, does that supposed to reflect on something like that, you know, Daniel, you know, devil Daniel Webster or something, but there, because the Victorian dress is quite, it's quite an interesting choice considering that we're now in the sixties. I mean, you know, later on this character does come back in, during the Victorian era that we'll see but at this time i mean you know that's that storyline is going to happen in the future it's not even it's not even a you know a right. twinkle in the eye at that moment so and i kind of wonder why he's in victorian dress i found it very interesting mm-hmm. i kind of think it's really interesting also in terms of his in terms of the, his his suit and uh you know i mean just the way you, you talk about the impeccable dress but also uh he when he's got this what light? I don't know how to describe the color. It's gray or light green or something like that. But then when, then the room gets dark. I mean, it's an excellent effect. I mean, he looks black and Machiavellian. And, he does uh, anyway. In the daylight. He looks Machiavellian. <laughs> he's not a nice dude. No, he isn't. And uh, but but and he's also quite sarcastic. You know, and he, you know, he looks at Vicky. And looks at Angelique. Whispers in her ear, "How your time has come," and but does it in such a devilish, in such a devilish. He's the perfect devil. Uh, such I'm a saying, devil. give him a pitchfork and some horns. I'm yeah, no, I also I'm, say what's good about you. Nicholas, though, at this point, bringing his character in is quite a, an achievement for the Dark Shadows. Because at this point, I think. And I know that myself watching these now, at this point, we're kind of getting a bit sick of the Angelique's fascination over this. And he's kind of view, he's kind of like giving the view, the viewers views like, oh, you need to get over this. You know, you need to move on. This Talk is about Barnabas. Old. What get is wrong it. with it? Precisely. And it's, it's quite nice to actually someone actually voice that in the show because that, I mean, because, you know, by this point, we've had about. 200 some odd episodes of Angelique's fascination over Barnabas sort of yeah. thing. And, boring almost. You know, yeah. and it's like what, and you know, it's a bit like en vogue, you know, Oh, you're never going to get it. No, you're never going <laughs> oh, to get <no>. it. <laughs> it's like, and you know, and it's, and it's kind of demoralizing with the Angelique character anyway, it is. as far as I see it, because Angelique is a, I mean, you know, especially in the sixties here, we got this strong, female character that we don't see in a, you know, at this point in time we don't see these, these strong female characters but to be driven by this obsession with this guy who's never going to love you and mm-hmm. and and then so far and you know basically they had what a weekend of sex 
you know, yeah. back in Barbados, and then she's still holding this candle to him, you know, even after death. And then, you know, it, and it just seems, so it's quite nice to have Nicholas basically, you know, voice this, because it kind of like voiced, I think, what the viewers are thinking all along. It's like, okay, this is getting a little bit old now. Let's, let's get some, let's give Angelique something, let's give her a, something more about her that's not about Barnabas. And I thought that, that does kind of pigeonhole good. her character. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And the dream curse uh, is is quite that comes to an end, uh, finally. And uh, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> no more plastic skeletons. <laughs> Male skeletons dressed as females is key yeah. point to that, which I uh, which that's I thought very was, millennial, which I thought <laughs> which I thought was tremendous, which is which is hilarious, um, and. Um, the uh the yeah the, the and and then and then finally uh although you know i was watching that uh, as an original fan i i was i was watching that and uh i i still remember i i you know it, it seems stupid now but uh to see that bright light you know leading uh leading them you know leading him to the point of no return and you have robert cobert's dumb dum dum anyway so it, it's a uh, it, it's 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 a lot of fun uh yes. it, 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 it don't you agree uh jeff oh yes um these episodes made a big impression on me and i think uh as well on uh, as many uh viewers because by this uh, these episodes aired in july of 1968 when almost all of us school kids were out of school for the summer Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. we could see every one of these episodes sometimes during the school year we might not be able to catch it or as as we always uh, used to say i ran home from school to watch dark shadows and maybe get there a few minutes late and these episodes were shown in syndication and so uh and and a little bit later, maybe two or three months after this, uh, are the Viewmaster episodes, the episodes yes. oh, that yeah. appear on yes. the Viewmaster slide. So this sure. storyline is very familiar uh, to the viewers and, and well-loved. I, I think a lot of Dark Shadows is about obsession, Angelique's obsession with Barnabas, Barnabas's obsession with Josette and recapturing his love for Josette and uh, Elizabeth's obsession with death, thanks to Cassandra and Angeline. Yep. Can't forget so that. the show is uh, always uh, obsessive and, and uh, frantic and hysterical. But I think that's one reason why it was so addictive and why we loved it and remember it uh, so vividly, because uh, these um, the emotions were always so high and and the actors, many of whom were stage actors, really knew how to deliver uh, extreme emotions and feelings. And you and, and that's an excellent point you raised, Jeff, because the uh, the the uh, the sets and the uh, the red light effect uh, as they're being led through the uh, stages uh, to the door and beyond are, uh, are quite, 
are, are very are very interesting uh, and and once again patterned on the Broadway play uh, technique that you don't see now in uh, in in regular soap operas uh, and uh, they were used and still continue to be used quite effectively uh, I think as uh, as far as as far as the show goes. Uh, Reflecting back on the whole um, dream curse, and now you know now that this has come to a close, and I was able to like, reflect back on each each actor's dream going through the dream curse. I have to sit there and say that I think it gave the actors a chance to eat as much scenery as possible. Because the thing is, some of the actors are a little can be a little bit hammy, but this is one that like but every uh-huh. actor that had that dream curse was the hammiest they're ever going to be in anything. And like you know the you know the you know the retching of the hands and, the, mm-hmm. and you know and bringing the hand and biting on the you know you know biting on their you know hand as they're being scared and I mean you, we got it from the male ones and all the way through to the female ones and and it's quite you know it adds to the effect. And I thought it was, you know, it's kind of funny because I did watch, I had seen these episodes before, but now rewatching it, you, you know, especially doing the podcast, you kind of see things slightly differently than when you're, when you're a passive viewer. And I remember the dream curse kind of, um, by the time we got to John, um, Jonathan Frater Barnard, this going through dream curse, I was like, Oh my God, just get this over with. But this time I've actually, you know, looking at it, not, not as a passive viewer, but now as, you know, covering it here from podcast i actually enjoyed it more because i actually because i like i like the hamminess that happens like when they go in there and the, the over the over dramaticness of everything and you know i mean you know and i think you know we will see grace and hall get a bit more over dramatic as time right. goes on anyway but this is kind of like a precursor of what she's going to become later on and i quite you know so that, but i quite like that about the whole dream curse sort of thing and, and let's not forget sam evans death yeah. Uh, which was Shell really too. God. I mean, you know, uh, he gave a he gave a nice final performance uh, when, you glasses, know, when he man. came on, even though he's still a <laughs> yeah, I mean, teleprompter. Why did he come back with the glasses? It was like in Jackie's still blind, <laughs> wear, wearing his three blind mice glasses. <laughs> it's like it's like here you go, David. For two, you know, two fingers up. It's like yeah, even in death, they're not going to be able to read the cue card. You know? <laughs> oh my god. I didn't even think of that because Cassandra is the one that raised Sam's ghost. Could it, if she had to force Vicky to tell the dream, but that's yep. true. He came back. He must have been doing cue cards from the afterlife, I guess. This is why he doesn't mean to tell teleprompter in the afterlife. But I just thought to myself, like, why is he wearing the glasses and why is he wearing that oh. trench coat? Even, even, even why he sits down in the chair. Now that's the first time I ever saw a ghost sit down in a chair. Uh, while he's, you know, while he's talking, you know, they all usually stand up and, um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, and he, and, you know, and even, and, and Addison Powell even, uh, as you know, comes, comes back, of course, the chroma key effect has him going, bobbling up and down. Doesn't as, look uh, like him. What's that? It doesn't look like it was- him. Yeah. It was good to see him, though. He he yes. was. Yes, I thought you would was, like that. His character was too short in the series. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I love the high, you know, high hysterics of his. You know, especially when you got him and Jonathan Fred fighting for the teleprompter. So, so, I I still, <laughs> look over each other. I, I still think he was hamming it up. I still think he was hamming it up, but you know, Keith, you're but right. That, but that's what. But that's what I loved about him because you mean, you know, if you if you reflect back to the Universal 
Frankenstein, Doctor. I mean, Doctor Frankenstein is probably one of the most hammiest performances yeah. that you'll see oh, in yeah. those Universal oh, films. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean more hammier than the Gypsy Woman in the werewolf movies. Dramatic you know? as well. And um, yeah, and I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think that basically this was his nod to that. That's how I took it. I don't think, you know. Yeah, I, I, I agree I with you. I, I agree with you. I think uh, Addison Powell was, uh, you know, was was appropriate for the role. But, and, and, I, and I still maintain that he was probably told to overact it like Colin Clyde. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so he... Uh, so he he so he did his bit, but I think it was it was nice to see. I had forgotten actually that he'd come back as a ghost for that final thing because you're always hearing him on the tape recorder, and uh, you know, um, I uh, you know I, I I enjoyed the role. I enjoyed Dan, the, um, Dan Curtis well, himself was a big fan of the Universal monster movies, mm-hmm. uh, Dracula mm-hmm. and Frankenstein. Another one of his favorite movies was The Innocents, and oh, yeah. you see that he he uh, used uh, all of those uh, elements in Dark Shadows. But uh, he he seemed to be very excited when they did the Adam storyline with all of the machinery that brings Adam to life. Yeah, yeah. And well, actually, you know, now I'm actually gone back to watching these episodes with the the Dark Shadows coffin set that I have. And at the end of each disc, of course, there's an interview with the alumni. And Dan Curtis does say there's an interview with him on one of these discs after in this block. And he was sitting there saying that Dark Shadows, when it came to the actors and what the actors did and how they portrayed it, they they didn't give them any notes. They let them do whatever they wanted to because they were so busy with the technical side of it and the way that the show had to be put together and so quickly that basically he's like he let he let the actors develop their characters and they never gave them notes. So basically, so I would say that you know Addison Powell in this case, I think he, I think that was his own creation and he came up with that himself. I would say and it's the same thing with the way all the actors because um, Dan Curtis does say in this interview this eight minute interview that basically they didn't have time to talk to the actors about their motivation or talk to the actors about how they should play it they were hired they come on they did what they did and they came right. up with their own they came up with their own characters and how they're going to portray everything mm-hmm. and he and he goes and what we used to do is we taped it and we prayed that it all went well right. <laughs> so, right. and i thought that was quite good i mean it's and you know you do get this impression you know from you know the folklore of Dan Curtis that basically he's very controlling, but I think, I don't think he, I think that he, I think he, from, from what, you know, what you see with dark shadows and now knowing this bit of information, dark shadows, I think he, he knew that people, he hired people that he knew were good and he trusted them. And I, you know, and I mm-hmm. think that's what we got sort of thing. So I think that's quite an achievement for someone who's overseeing all this. You know, because I mean, this show is not an easy thing to put together. Let's no, face it. No. I mean, this show must have been hell to put together. Yeah. Half an hour, yeah. you know, live, started, no, you know, breaks. And then, you know, and he said that they put their, when they're breaking, they're putting the commercials in at that time. And the music was played through a 78. Wow. <laughs> and that's how the music was. But it wasn't like all added in later like they do now. It was like, you know, when the music's playing, someone's putting a, you know, playing a 78 with a needle on with a microphone next to the, in, in fact, one of the bloopers uh, had the uh, Ein Kleiner Nacht music, uh, Mozart, uh, being played very fast. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. like, like they wanted to get rid of it. And, 
I, I thought that was um, I thought that was cute, um, but uh, yeah, you, you know, there it, 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 things are going at a at a pretty frenetic pace. Uh, you know, you never know when uh, things are. You know, at one point, I thought things were starting to slow down a little bit, uh, but then I think, but then it it really picked up uh, with. Um, with uh the you know with with angelique uh you know frenetically uh deciding that she had to uh get rid of barnabas one one way or the other and uh i i thought that it was i thought that it was quite effective um she's a dog with a bone though isn't she yeah she is (laughs) oh oh god God. i think it's like wasn't it like episode 532 533 around there i think maggie meets nicholas Finally. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. gets obsessed with her. Whatever happens to that? Because I don't remember anything else happening with that. Do y'all? Well, that's that's funny. That's that's funny, Vicky, because you're starting to sound like me. Episode five thirty three. This happens. Episode five thirty four. I think I'm rubbing off on you. But, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Now, yeah, I, I, you're right. I think that um, the you see now that Maggie is attracted to nicholas a little bit for the yeah. first time they're going to develop that okay. and you're going to see what happens they kind of like that. left it you know yeah well and they're, gonna, I mean, they're gonna have to do something with maggie's character because there's nothing holding her to the main characters at the moment well they joe will. and maggie are over they're over at the side aren't they they're like I mean, because now, now it's Sam gone. I mean, now there's not going to be any paintings that need to be done. So obviously, you know, and there's no more old Pops. Oh, so, oh, oh what are we going to do about Pops and Pops this and Pops drinking habit and Pop, Pop, Pop. Oh, God. And what and, a, um, what a so, blooper. What a blooper that was for, <laughs> for Nicholas when he's at Maggie's house to look at the paintings, look at the Betty Hanscom portrait uh, very closely. And they had a whole plot line about that during the first year is to, yeah. her being Vicky's mother. Uh, and he just looks at it and throws it and, you know, just puts it down. Um, it's, um, it, 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 it's, it's quite in, incredible. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, you see, you see a lot, I think, in terms of um, you're going to you're going to see stuff actually b- between Nicholas and Maggie that you don't see uh, anywhere else. Oh, yes. Yeah. There's a big story with what Nicholas with his with Nicholas's plans for Maggie and right. what happens right. and even later in the series when he comes back later. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and he and he will come back later, and we don't want to get into too much regarding right. that. But uh, I think it's uh, important uh, to see that um, this is him at his best right now. Yeah. I don't think later on he's going to be as effective. No, as, I agree. Yeah, as as he and 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 later on, I don't want to get. They they make his hair a little grayer later on when he comes back. I think that's unfortunate uh, because I think that he has so much to offer as um, as the, as the character. Uh, but but yeah, I mean you know once again he's uh, uh, he's he's you know I mean you you, you can't say enough about him. But it, it in terms of switching. 
to uh, Willie's uh, to Willie's death. Not Willie's death. Oh my Not God! Barnabas. Barnabas's death. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm persevering, but uh, switching to Barnabas's death, and, and Willie and Julia are like so bereft and Willie starts crying. Just, that is like the, the, the dynamic duo of chaos at that point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are some questionable things here. I mean, it was, it was lovingly, I have to say the scenes between them about how they're going to take care of each other. was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I thought it wasn't so fantastic is how Julia is like, well, you can come, you can go to Wincliffe and I'll give you a job. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really oh, <laughs> all the all the patients that a couple months ago that you were you, you know you were an impatient with them you're now going to be like they're you know, you're going to be the ward clerk how's that that'd be great hey. <laughs> I, I think i think that the um i was thinking of you actually keith because you were commenting uh when these characters die off why isn't there a proper mourning period for them and you had remarked that uh, during during the show. Well, here uh, we did get got... a morning period for Barnabas. What's that? Yeah, we did get a more. We finally got the first Dark Shadows morning period. In yes, Dark Shadows system. Right. Took a couple of days. Took a couple yeah, of days. That's it. But we. Nope. But we... Yeah. Yeah. buried alive. <laughs> I know they got to dig him back up. I, I think that the first um, um, significant death was that of Bill Malloy because yes. the characters good, good point. Very much so. did good point. Uh, mourn and lament for many uh, episodes oh, yeah. about his demise. But then later, as death became more and more a part of the show, it became minimized. Yeah. yeah I mean, especially that's... like during the um, 1790. <laughs> I was like, die, move on, die. It's like they're just people, you know. They're just throwing the party in the hall and moving on. <laughs> it's like... But it's but 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 it is important, I think, to note uh, the the deaths of the the deaths of the characters uh, and the uh, you know and the in the mourning period that's really assigned as 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 kind of important, especially um, the the. Oh God! The way Leela Swift handled that episode, where Barnabas was buried alive and Adam was trying to uh, Adam was trying to open the coffin, and you see the superimposing yeah. the juxtaposition of Barnabas with his hands op- trying to open it, and um, and Adam on the other hand doing the same thing. Yes. Uh, Leela Swift handled that episode. That was and that was very effective. Very effective. That was, and you knew that that was Leela Swift's um, uh, masterful interpretation of, uh, of, of 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 that scene. And uh, it was it was it was dark shadows. It was pure dark shadows in action. I have said that though, previous to Barnabas's death, we do get our knight, uh, you know, our white knight in shining armor coming in, Joe, to save the day with Adam. And unfortunately, that, big, that was like a balloon that was kind of blown up and kind of like was the air was let out and kind of fizzled out where Joe mm-hmm. was, you know, we're going to basically have to take him to the hospital. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, it was like, and I have to say that it was, it was an interesting, you know, a, a story plot that we have here, but it kind of felt kind of shoved in didn't it? Because all of a sudden it's like, why is Joe so worried about Adam all of a sudden? Whereas like, because right. I, I think it's because Joe has disappeared for a while now. I mean, the last time we saw Joe is 
you know, Jeff Clark attacking him, thinking yes. he was Nathan Forbes after his, you know, after his dream. dream right, and then right, we right. haven't seen Joe or we haven't seen Joe or Maggie at all. And then Jeff of course, was sleeping with his boots on. And, yeah. <laughs> sleeps with their boots on. <laughs> Everyone sleeps with their own shoes on in this show. But, uh, yes, but, Vicky and, does. Uh, Marie Wallace will when she's, <laughs> when she's woken up. When she's woken up. Uh, there's, you know, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that in there. Uh, but, um, but we also do, but we, well, what's quite interesting about this whole thing is that I think for the first time, we actually realized that Professor Stokes may not be for the everyman, that there, there is something behind it. It has to, it has to suit his needs. There's a suiting yeah. his needs situation going He's on He's an here. opportunist of sorts. Yeah. And I think is, and I have to sit there and say that. We, and because I think that once they were looking and the way that he basically covered himself about with Adam sort of thing and about how he covered himself, he was like, I think this is the first time I think you see Professor Suggs like, there's actually it's an ulterior motive there. We don't know what it is yet, but there is something there right. that makes him a bit deeper than what we, you know, the do-gooder or the person who's going to, you know, who's going to help sort out what's happening with Barnabas. Because when it comes down to the nitty gritty of it, and Julia comes to Professor Stokes to help Barnabas. He's like, wash his hands. Go, I got other things to yeah. do you now. You're going to deal with this. I'm not. I'm yeah, done. he did too. And I thought that was quite, I thought that was a quite an interesting story arc. Because normally what we've had up at this point sometimes is that we get these characters that come in. They kind of do what they have to do. And then once they're done, then they're kind of, you know, they either die or they leave or whatever happens to them but this is quite interesting because now we got a different shade of professor stokes that we're getting we're getting another dimension here and i thought that was i like the way that they're doing that with his character because you know he had great lines and thayer david was so yeah. eloquent yeah really... uh, what a what a range he had yes, he uh, the, the humanist man is an incomplete man uh you know that that is um that's that's poignant um and it, it, Alexander it, Moki said that um when she first did Dark Shadows, she said that David Thayer didn't really connect when, when they were doing the beginning of the show. Because and the reason why she connected because in the most of her scenes were with him, right? Sort of thing. So she was, you know, she she because you know when she was locked in, that she had that whole week to two weeks with just him, right? And they connect, and he said that he was a, a very eccentric man, and that um, and he was not, he used to be an alcoholic, and so with Burke's alcoholism sort of thing, that he he actually is the one that kind of stepped in and helped um, Mitch Ryan with his alcoholism, and I thought that Angela. Um, um, Alexander Moki gives this like little interview on on one of the discs. I thought oh, that's quite that's something that he, quite interesting. And that and he he wasn't a method actor, but if his but because of um, his first character in Dark Shadows, because he was not connected to anyone, he would do all he would not be with the cast. He'd stay over to the side. And then if you had a character that basically was connected like with Barnabas in 1795, he would make sure he hung around Barnabas and um, Anthony George because they were the ones he had connections mm-hmm. with. So he would hang around them, but not to connect with anyone else. And in this one, it was um, in this storyline, he hangs around with Robert Roden all the time, and so, but mm-hmm. not, not with any of the other cast members, which is quite interesting because, you know, you know, you have, Jonathan Fred, who's basically very close during the 1795, so he's hanging around them. Then when he comes back, he's not hanging around Jonathan Fred, he's only hanging around Rodan. Right. 
which is quite an interesting character to see the way that he puts his characters together and how he um, thinks it through that way. And I, he must I be think, the kind of method. Yeah. I think it's interesting, and, and, and Keith, yes, his real name is David Thayer, and, and it's interesting you pronounce it that way because he used Thayer David uh, for uh, as part of the role. Uh, so I, uh, you know, but 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 yeah, the um, the 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 usage, you know, in this block, you unlike the last block where they all uh, where they all decided to you know, get together all at once. Uh, you don't see that as much in this block uh, where they, you know, where it's, where it's like a week before a week or two before they, uh, before Dave, Hen- David Hennessy comes on. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and um, it's a week or two before Mrs. Johnson comes on. Uh, but you. Summer holidays, isn't it? Probably, yeah. probably. <laughs> and, and yes, as we were summer talk- holidays. And yes, as we were talking about before, we finally get an impression as to what uh, Harry's been doing. Um, but uh, it's all it's all in the long run uh, qu- quite effective uh, in terms also of the plot development now between Carolyn and Adam. Uh, yeah, we're Adam. Interact. Yeah, yeah. Where Adam is now showing uh, a dedicated interest in in carolyn um he's falling in love with her yeah she sees it she's uh-oh you yeah. know get me away from this um she's uh unsure as to how to deal with it and uh then we see professor stokes talking about you know how uh gee i never expected this to happen kind of thing mm-hmm. uh and, and i think it's um I think the whole thing and, and the scenes where Adam uh, is reading from books and finds a lithograph of two people right. kissing and, uh, she, and she's uh, very involved. Uh, it, it, you know, it, the Nancy Barrett character is, is very involved in how do I and how do I deal with this? Uh, I think it's a I think large it's, baby. Yeah, well, I, I don't. But no, I don't think it. I don't think he's a large baby. I think what we're seeing with the Adam character is we're actually seeing a human life cycle being sped up. We have the mm-hmm. child that he first is, and now we got someone going through puberty, and that's, that's what we true. got. We got Adam going through puberty at the moment, and that's, then and eventually, I mean, and and basically, Adam becomes a man later on. That you know, we don't get it a lot, right. but that's coming. So basically, what we're getting is the lifespan of a boy basically and we're at right. the puberty teenage years with um him at the mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. you know because i mean even if you look at um well that's before, how he studied for the role before the love puberty thing with um nancy barrett we got spoiled child he's not getting his way right true and, yeah, that. and of course you know so we're and i think that it's kind of weird but if you look at if you take if you take everything else that's t- going away, all the other storylines out, and you just concentrate on the Adam thing, it's quite an interesting thing that the writers have done here because you're seeing the maturity from baby to manhood going on in this one character. Interesting and of course, because it's all broken up, and sometimes it's kind of hard, but if you'd start reflecting back, and I, I thought that was very interesting, and that's a very smart thing for the writers to do, actually, because it actually takes a one-dimensional character that it could have been because it would have been very easy to make a one-dimensional 
character with the Adam character and actually gave it so much depth and meaning and heart and emotions and maturity. You got to ask yourself, was the West Wing the best place to put Adam? Where's the bathroom? That's what I want to know. Right. Yeah, and where's, where's the, the bathroom? bathroom? That's right. I, I worry about sakes. that on all soap. But the West Wing is like Grand Central <laughs> Station, you know? <laughs> was that the same room that Vicky was in the first year? Yeah, where Louis Edmonds was standing outside going, woo. <laughs> My it, it favorite wasn't part. The same fit. <laughs> wasn't the same fit, though, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, no, it was quite enjoyable to, you know, to see that. To, to see that interplay again. And um, I, the only uh, light that ever works in the West Wing is the one in the tower room. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> no other windows except for the tower room light. <laughs> why doesn't Jeff, anybody what, go what to the you, tower room? Your thoughts? Jeff, what are your thoughts on this? What and are your yet, thoughts on this? And yet, who keeps all of those candles burning in all of the unused rooms and the secret passageways? No fire oh. extinguishers. That's probably why they had so oh. many fires on set. And, and, to, <laughs> and, to, and to that end, and to that end, uh, what's going on with you know they're they're doing the experiments in the basement. How uh, how do they account for the electricity? Uh, I, I think Julia installed a generator. I think later that maybe even was mentioned, but um, but that's uh, yeah, later. That, that is anachronistic. Um, yeah, to say um, the least. Yes. Well, the question is, who paid for all that equipment? Because that wouldn't have been cheap. Where did that come from? But Dr. Lang had a lot of money, wasn't it? Well, not Julia's lab, but the stuff Dr. Lang had. Yes, they brought it over. They did bring it over from the 1960s Cancer Research Center. (laughs) (laughs) Thayer David, as Professor Stokes, was another one of my very favorite characters. and and he could he could hold his own with Nicholas and even with yes. Angelique. Oh yeah, in, in his yes. dream, which is one of the most interesting because it it deviates from the norm. You know, he refuses yes. to cooperate, and Angelique has to come out uh, in his dream. Yeah, but he's a badass um, mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, mm-hmm. Thayer David always had uh, very well written lines, and he delivered them well. And and he too was a, a commanding presence mm-hmm. on the show. Of all of his characters, Stokes was his favorite. Uh, was my favorite. I mean, of his. Yeah, in the last episode. That, go ahead. There's go ahead. a there's a lot more depth with Professor Stokes' character as well, and also, I mean, it's probably the first time that he actually got to speak complete sentences without. Because I mean. The first character, he grunted, basically, said the, odd, <laughs> said the same word. I won't let you hurt Elizabeth. Matthew Morgan. And then we get him helping Barnabas, but then he was, he was still simpleton. And now we got someone that he's probably... Professor Stoke is probably, you know, as an, you know, as an, is basically the intelligence of the actor. Because, I mean, he, he's yeah. a very intelligent yeah. man, you know, the, the actor playing him. So yeah. that's probably why, you know... He well, he's very so. strong mean, in his movie roles as well. If you've seen him in other roles, yeah. I mean, he just he's an exceptional actor. Oh yes, Rocky and try to see Save the Tiger, Jack Lemmon's Oscar-winning yeah. movie, because both Thayer David and Laura Parker are in the movie. That's correct. And then uh, later on, uh, what was the movie he did? Um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking. I'm blanking out on it. But uh, Nero Wolf. No, that yeah, yeah. Well, he did the first pilot for yeah, which and, he, and that would have had he not died, that would have been picked up. 
uh, he was on his own in terms of becoming a uh, forceful actor uh, in the in the series, and uh, so his so his input can't be underestimated. Uh, and uh, he, uh, yeah, and Jeff, you're right. In the last episode, we were we were all discussing um, his uh, his forcefulness and uh, how he, yeah, he 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 said, "I'm going to break all the rules uh, in the dream curse, and I'm going to make her, and, and I'm going uh, I'm going to make her sweat." And that's exactly what he did. And uh, so he's uh, so he certainly. Uh, I think to be, uh, you know, to, to be congratulated on that. Uh, but, but, and getting, and getting back to what we were all talking about, uh, the, the strength of this block, I think evolves around Angelique's uh, final. Uh, Hurrah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, 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 yep. She's 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 defeated. Uh, she doesn't know why. Uh, she's ex- she's under well, extreme I mean, pressure she, from the boss. She yeah. was running out of really good ideas. I mean, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the rose water for Victoria is like, why would anyone wear that? Water yep, water? yep, yep. The ro- the rose water. Who the, is she? An eighty year old woman. <laughs> More than that. More than that. They they went no, back no, to that again. About, but talk about like Victoria Winters to wear like rose water perfume is like what? But Victoria Winters like an eighty year old woman. <laughs> rose water is again. kind of yeah for most. I don't know. It depends it's, on what kind of rose. It's, Some it's, of that it's stuff a smell smells of really the good. grandmother and Tweety Pie. Yeah, but it's a, it's a smell that do you think Tweety Pie's grandmother would swear? You know what I mean? That's what I think of rose water. <laughs> sort of yeah, it's uh, it, it it's. It's it's forceful in terms of how it can they, be forceful. Uh, yeah, I it, have it, a question. When they buried Barnabas, they bury him in the coffin, or did they just put him in the dirt? I think they just threw him in the ground, didn't they? No, they put him in the coffin. Did they? they? Yeah. Oh, did yeah. They? they put him in the coffin. Okay. I could. And, and how and how Stokes could deal with that, I have no idea because uh, yeah. Well, how Barnabas sure. got out of the grave with no and, and dirt Jeff, on you're shaking I mean, your I head. Think that's one of yeah, the biggest, you know, the biggest mysteries of the world. Oh, yes. Everyone in Collinsport really knew how to dig graves and lift those coffins and, and hide them and carry them. Tote that, no barge, and, I know. Tote that barge and lift that bale. Uh, well, I mean, that, cause that's what I was wondering, because um, the thing is, you kind of you don't see them put Barnabas into the grave. They kind of you just see them dig in the dirt and then yeah. pat it down sort of thing. And so I thought to myself, it was like, you know, so I thought, did they just put his body into a hole? Like Which a coffin did they use? Because he had a, a selection at this point. <laughs> I'm sure they found is. something. <laughs> well, we, haven't, sure. we haven't seen the coffins anyway. I mean, you know, you couldn't put in the secret room in the mausoleum because every single character has been there at some point now. <laughs> you and, can't uh, even go to the secret mausoleum room. That's because everybody's and, been in there. And they and even mentioned that. Been, and everyone's been in the basement as well. <laughs> so it's like. But the th- but that so now what do you think of that? I mean, okay, so if they had buried in the coffin, which would make sense. Can you just picture Willie and Julia carrying that coffin to that hole? Or Stokes digging the grave for God's digging the grave there or Yeah, you know, yeah I can't a- see Stokes doing manual labor. I'm no, sorry. He but- doesn't seem like the type. But don't you think Willie? that why don't you just get Willie? Willie was always the the 
the back to, you know, the laborer and everything. But don't you think, though, towards the end of this block, though, Angelique's supposed to, according to um, uh, Blair, that he's she's supposed to get Barnabas's forgiveness for everything. Isn't it a little ballsy of her to ask her ask him for forgiveness after 200 years of torture? You know? She's desperate. Killing her, fa- killing his family off one by one. And yeah. Did She's you actually well, think it, he was going to do it? But I think this is where we get, I mean, I think what was quite interesting in this is that this is where we now have it exactly solidified about his feelings for Victoria. We we knew about it. He mentioned it. We knew that there's a vaccinationist. But now he's willing to give up his life, give up everything, because he 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 loves Victoria like Jeff Clark probably never will. I think that's what kind of this hints at for me. Because when he, you know, because, you know, uh, during that end block that we have there, this is all about protecting Victoria and, you know, making sure that, she, no, she can tell me the dream curse. I'm not going to have this happen to her. He didn't care about, any, that's he, didn't right. care about that's he didn't right. care about Julia have, you know, fighting it back or any of the other characters. <laughs> Poor you know? Julia. She's Julia always been. Dreamed it twice, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. and he, I mean, he's put his own life forward and this is probably the one time that he's put his whole life forward to protect a person and it's victoria which is humanized quite a bit and it shows uh, well i mean you know but we knew that he cared about even victoria when he didn't know who victoria was in the 1795 but look at all the things that he did before victoria goes to the gallo and everything was you know so he had this he had this this love, I mean, I know that Josette's supposed to be the love of um, Barnabas. Well, even life, when he was obsessing I, I about think, Maggie, he didn't care about Maggie that much. When he was obsessing about her, he was kind well, of he, like cold, aloof, and just kind of cruel, you know? Yeah. But, but the Dark Shadows is always going to be known as the love story between Barnabas and Josette. That's and all that's I can remember. Yep. And, and, and it's, it's like a legend, but then when you actually w- visit the legend for what it really is, the reality is basically this is the love story between Barnabas' love for Victoria because ever since Barnabas has come on the scene, his love for Victoria was always a lot stronger than his love for Josette. Yeah, I agree. Quite, I agree. Which is quite interesting about yeah. how fans and how media and everything paints this picture about do you think that's is, perception is as a fan, or do you think that's how they wrote it? I think I think I think what it is is that people reflect and they and people remember things differently, and it's not when you revisit it. Um, and I think you know, I think that the, them going back in time to 1795 and this whole, I, you know, I think what we discussed earlier in the in you know, our previous episode of the podcast is that there was this great big fascination about the Barnabas and Josette, and we had mm. much and months of what this was going to be and then when we saw it we're like eh yeah, we realized that true. you know <laughs> that there was no sex appeal between these two characters whatsoever they didn't have you know? any chemistry remember we said we thought that her and joshua not joshua but um Anthony Jeremiah had, Jeremiah more, had chemistry. more chemistry. Yeah, they had, they had more Jeremiah. chemistry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and to be honest, there was more, and the, there was a lot more chemistry between Barnabas and Angie's career. I mean, um, together. When you saw when you saw Angelique and Barnabas together, there was fireworks and there was fire and there was sparks there. When you saw Barnabas and Josette, I mean, it was like it's like a rainy day in London. It's like yep, yeah. when Angelique. <laughs> Yep, well, there's a fine Angel- line between yeah. love and hate. So, yep. When Angelique and uh, uh, when Angelique and Barnabas are having that final talk, and 
Angelique asked Barnabas, uh, you know, why, why don't you love me? And he says, because I love Josette. Uh, Vicky does not come into the picture here. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's a, uh, that's a, that's an interesting point to make. Uh, uh, Vicky is, uh, I mean, yeah. What do you mean? If you look at the Barnabas character, which is very, very interesting is that the only person he ever sacrificed anything for in this whole series, doesn't matter what it is. He hasn't done it for Elizabeth. He hasn't done it for his mother. He hasn't done it for his family. He hasn't done it for anyone. The only person he's ever sacrificed anything for was for Victoria. He sacrificed his love for Victoria so she could be with Jeff Clark. He sacrificed his mortality to protect Victoria. He sacrificed Victoria agonizing over about what to do with this why she's you know she's basically doing everything she can to protect barnabas and he's like i'm not i can't have her do that he didn't care about anyone else and this and it's quite interesting now that you're when we're viewing this is that basically you got a barnabas that the greatest love story in dark shadows is barnabas's love for victoria that and victoria is never going to return that love i know it's because it didn't seem reciprocal at all i mean she cares about him but it's not like this ongoing flaming, burning passion, you know. And she doesn't want him. And she does. She cares about him, but as, why was she going to marry like a him? Brother. Marry him prior to this? Was it because she was in a tailspin? Because she was, Burke Devlin died. She was under his spell. Yes. And, or was uh, it because did he did he bite her before that prayer? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. he did. Slept. Yeah, he did. Okay, and that's yeah, why. And that's why he she was going to marry him because okay. she was under the influence. And then they the music box yeah, too. Yeah, but then, I, but I also think that we also have that you know time you know that time thing, don't you? Because when Barnabas first enters and meets Victoria, I know there's this fascination, and she's got the fascination of the old sort of thing. And then she goes back mm-hmm. in time, and they right. don't really they don't really give a lot of information about what happens with what Barnabas because re- Barnabas has this memory of what happened in 1795 and then we get to the seance and then every memory that he has of course is now flipped isn't it because victoria has now gone back in time but why doesn't he rec- she recognize him when she comes back because well because barnabas is the long ancestor because right. barnabas moved to england and this is an ancestor of the original barnabas. spitting image the, and I mean, everything yeah but i mean to be honest you get spitting images of people you know you know if you can go if you go th- it's not too hard to believe if you go through your family tree and you get pictures of old family members and you go back far enough, you might see someone who looks a lot yeah. like you. Yeah. That's you why know. I kind of wish the nineties one hadn't ended where it did because Joanna Cohen kind of looked up and she looks at him like, yeah. I know you, you know, that's just like, ah, and they never came back with that. It was just like, I wanted to see where they were going with that. Oh yeah. So, so when they go thing. back, so when they go back to present time after the 1795, mm-hmm. and then if you notice that Barnabas, and they don't really say that, but if you notice that Barnabas's longing for Victoria is like that next episode is a hundred times stronger. So maybe that's the writers giving us like basically all that history is now is now basically when she comes back, all that history is now in his memory because that. That's Victoria true. wasn't in his yeah. memory now. It's an alternate yeah. timeline, like a ter- like a Terminator. Film. Well, it would have changed <laughs> things. It would have changed a lot of things, Precisely. basically. Yeah, 
but but there is an alternate timeline uh essentially which he which he remembers and um and she is uh also but she she has i think a little bit more of a problem with it than uh than than he than he apparently does but uh it's still uh there uh it's 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 still extant and uh and 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 i think that once again, Vicky cares about Barnabas like a brother. Yeah. And, uh, and or a mentor. Uh, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. But another thing is that Victoria has daddy issues. If yes. you look at uh, if you look at any any character that she's fallen in love with, it's someone who's going to protect her. And Barnabas is Barnabas has so many problems and issues that he doesn't really come across as the protective type. I mean, you look at Burt, Burt Evelyn, going to protect her. Jeff mm-hmm. Clark, going to protect her. And Bar- the way that Barnabas is protector is not to Victoria's face, but it's always behind the scenes of Victoria's life. That's how he protects her, but it's not in front of Victoria. Now, if, now if, 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 he, if he showed that he's protected Victoria, she might have felt differently. Because right. every man that's been in Victoria's right. life that she's had an interest with are, is a protector, someone who's going to protect her. And Does even to the point where think- they're, they're so protected, they're almost abusive of her. I mean, I mean, we've seen like <laughs> the Brooke yeah. Devlin character be quite, you know, quite, you know, like you're not going to do this. Not if you're going out with me sort of thing, that kind of thing. Right, you know? right. And we kind of get a little bit of that with Jeff Clark a little bit too, you know, right. and Peter Bradford, where it's like, you know, if you do that, you know, you're, sort of thing, don't you, you know, don't you overstep your bounds, girl. You're with me. And we do get a bit Bartibus of that. had feelings for her in that capacity when the Josette Barnabas storyline was going on when she went back to 1795 or was there some, he did have some kind of fondness for her. I know that. Oh, he did. Oh, oh, he had I, a fondness I, oh. for her, and, but I think that Barnabas, I think Barnabas's character is that he's attracted to naivety and innocence. Yeah. Because he is, or um, he was. He was. He was. But even, even when, when Josette first comes on the scene, and this is who he's going to marry, she's kind of stupid and naive. She's a stupid girl. I mean, you know, I mean, she's not a very bright person. Josette's not a bright person. She's very thick. And then, and then, very sheltered, very, very very sheltered, very naive about the world, doesn't really know anything, you know, basically, you you know, whatever, that's what she is. I mean, that's her character. Um, And then the the strong woman, which is Angelique, Barnabas is not attracted to that. That's a bit of fun on the side. That's a, that's a, you know, a midsummer night fling there. That is. And then, then when, um, and then he finds that when Josette basically, um, becomes not as naive. If you notice that the attraction to Josette kind of falters a bit for Barnabas. Though, you know, but though he is stuck about duty and the family duty and the right. family name and how to carry what the sense of duty. So he's caught in with the Josette story and the Josette thing because this is his sense of duty. This is what's supposed to happen. And of right. course, with the downfall of Josette and the way that that pans out and the way the way that she commits suicide, then there's the guilt factor behind that. And so so then when we get into this the the modern storyline basically he's carrying the guilt of joseph's death so with that guilt there's this there's this you after a death you seem to kind of fantasize about what could have been sort of situation so that's what the love of josette is with barnabas but with victoria there's that sweetness and naivety and and the thing about victoria's character even though sometimes she can be a bit too naive or too a bit too innocent 
but she's always it always comes from a good place of heart it's always comes from a very good innocent light white white light place of heart you know she never puts herself first not once that I've seen her so far up until now has she ever put herself first. She's always doing something for the better good of other, other people. And if, if it means that she puts herself in harm's way, she'll do it for anybody. She'll do it for me. She'll do it for, I mean, how she, you know, even when we had the first Willie who was kind of a sexual deviant, mm. you know, she still, yeah. you know, she still would, you know, she still go, I'm not going to tell him Willie. I'm not going to tell on sexual deviant Willie. He's probably going to rape me in my sleep. I'm quite fine with him, you know, sort of thing. I'm not going to, I don't want to cause him trouble because deep down he's good at heart. I mean, you know, and that's Victoria. And that's what, I think that's what, why Barnabas, that's what Barnabas is attracted to. And he saw that. Yeah, I, I I I can understand that, and I think that uh, the attraction that Barnabas has uh, to uh, I think the attraction that Barnabas has to Victoria is uh, pretty significant, um, and that uh, that that does tend uh, to express itself very poignantly in this block. Uh, Angelique versus Victoria, and um, but does Victoria it, ever lose her temper? Yes, have you yeah, ever? But she oh, doesn't, yes, it oh, doesn't yes. seem yeah. like full blown like anger. She really kind of it's more she's like kind of person that, she, she's kind of person that yells at you because you've done something wrong and then apologizes afterwards. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, but she almost really, killed I, I me. How dare you? But I understand, it's fine, uh, you know, right? And you've got, and once again, you have the I don't understand what's wrong, and 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 oh, you startled me, and uh, you know, and uh, you have every character. Uh, one time or another saying I don't understand and uh, and forgive me I startled you mm-hmm. and uh, Jeff is smiling uh, as uh, as I recount that uh, but it's um, it's it's good to it's it's good to see the interplay uh, between uh, Victoria and and Barnabas uh, and very um, I don't know what the word is, but um, I, I, you know, poignant. Uh, I think to uh, t- to see that to see that going on, especially here. Uh, her character is uh, is always kind of like a wallflower, uh, in a sense, uh, kind of stilted. Um, and uh, finally, we can see. Uh, Finally, I think we can see what's 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 going on there. I have to. I do have to question Victoria and Jeff Clark's relationship. It doesn't seem For quite right. Supposed to be so, it's not even. I mean, here she is going through a really bad time. Where the hell is he? <laughs> like, he is kind of he disappears. You know, after the first few episodes, uh, you know, they they just kind of wrote Roger Davis out for a while. Uh, is he yeah. supposed to be a reincarnation or has he physically come back through the portals of time? I mean, where are we going with this? We'll, well see. We, we, we do. We do get a fuller understanding. We do figure it out because I don't later, remember. Later on, the, the, that, that, they do clear that up a little bit. Yes. They do. Because I yeah, since, yeah. Since, he is since I was six years old. <laughs> I he is a, but I have to there and say that 
I was just going to say that the Peter Bradford that we had and the Jeff Clark, I mean, they are kind of two different sides of the same coin sort of thing. Yeah, maybe. Peter Bradford was all about Victoria. And the Jeff Clark that we got now is kind of a narcissist, egotistical idiot. You think so? Well, There's a bit point, something, everything, everything's about him and everything's about me, well, me, 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 me. Yeah, and even though, but he doesn't even know who he is. I mean, yeah, well, but, at the, same, but at the same time, this, this girl that you're in love with is going through stuff and he, he doesn't, he does not, he's not really interested <laughs> about, it's like, it's all about me. So it's kind of an interesting thing that we had Peter Bradford, who's all about, I'm going to, you know, I'll put myself in danger because I'm going to protect you because you are the love of my life. Right. And then we got Jeff Clark coming back here and it's like, it's all about me. I, you know, he, there I'm, isn't really you know, no I'm, I'm going to go off and yeah. find myself. And then he comes back. True. And then, she, and then you know and then then he passes through the the ghost of trask and then it's like you know well and he, off he's gone again so I, at one point we think that he knows who he is finally yeah uh, and then all of a sudden no. uh <laughs> he doesn't know who he is uh, you know it's uh, it, it's 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 weird um and uh it it's 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 just something i think you have to look at more closely i think they i don't i think that they see i think that thing with the jeff clark storyline is i I think that what they the writers were thinking is like oh there there's a bit of a chemistry here between her and peter bradford and it's time that victoria had a love interest and i mean this is probably the first time victoria had a love interest is probably more age appropriate for her but Mm -hmm. um Mm-hmm. And Age I think appropriate that, has not. But, but I think that more. when they were bringing when they were bringing the Jeff Clark character in, I don't think they, I think they were still figuring it out what they were going to do. And, that's what and they will be like. figuring it out for a long time, right? Uh, and, and but the but the bottom line is that uh, Victoria, you know, I think that Jeff finally realizes uh, who he who he is, uh, and and then it's taken away from him and then the whole thing is blown out of the water uh by the by the interposition <laughs> of the angelique barnabas thing and that once again takes over and you don't know what the hell's going on uh, i still think it's funny that dr lang wanted to put his head on adam's body <laughs> I don't know why I find that humorous. I just did. Can you, can you imagine Roger <laughs> Davis's body on head on um, <laughs> Adam's body? <laughs> and I oh, wonder that. who I wonder whose head uh, was used for Adam. And would someone in Collinsport recognize? Yeah, Adam? good that, question. That's my good husband. Question. That's my brother. Yeah, good question. Well, that brings us back to Nicholas Blair, like bringing back the body parts of Adam. And <laughs> that, find out. And, and that <laughs> brings us to David Grow, uh, mm-hmm. who uh, played the headless, uh, no, the one with the body with an arm missing. Yes. While Dwayne Morris, who was the stand-in for Adam's body, this time plays the headless horseman, and uh, David and David Grow uh was who went on to be Rhoda's husband mm-hmm. uh by the way and got his claim to fame that way uh david grow is uh is really brilliant in uh the you know in the in, in i mean i mean all he does there is stand uh of course but you know he points his arm and uh you, you know and, and you can see that and um you know that's you know that is uh, 
that's quite effective, uh, I think, in establishing uh, the pattern uh, of, you know, of Nicholas is trying to, Nicholas is trying to get to Adam and how do we, how do we accomplish that? Uh, so, uh, you know, so when, when you think of, when you put everything together, uh, I, I think you have a very solid picture of, uh, Nicholas's investigative track in terms of, uh, in terms of compartmentalizing and then, uh, bringing and bringing everything forward. And I, and I think he's very effective here. I think we also found that there with Nicholas Blair, there is a definite line that he'll put up with stuff, but once you cross that line, that's it. Yep. He'll give you enough rope to hang yourself, but once you've hanged yourself, that's it. And that, that's what we saw with Angelique, which I thought was <laughs> well, I thought was very, very interesting that we kind of got you know, you know, you're kind of a stupid girl sort of thing. And then when and this is kind of this is where we get David with the tape recorder situation, where it's just like why he would go to Cassandra to <laughs> oh, listen to the tape recorder. Can you oh, fix my tape God. recorder? I mean, if my tape recorder was um, broken, Cassandra probably be the last person I go to. Oh, I go, didn't she take somewhere. his voice from him and he couldn't talk and stuff like that? Why would he even want to go to her? You can't trust yeah. her. Yeah, she's not exactly the loving stepmother no. that he was hoping for. I did, but then I again, I mean, she yeah. might be more loving than Laura was. So, you know. Maybe. <laughs> did At least you... she's not trying to burn him alive in a shed. <laughs> and then you see but, that uh, great blooper where David takes the tape recorder with him up the stairs at the end of the episode when Angelique is trying to kick him away. And then the next episode, uh, he leaves the tape recorder on right. the table. Why? Because the writers figured out that Nicholas and Angelique had to hear it. And uh, that was that was so brilliant. Uh, I think uh, the uh, uh, you know the kind of the kind of the kind of get that in. But getting back to Nicholas's stepping over, you know, he is very well aware of what line he has to cross. And uh, I think that uh, it's uh, I, I think that it was that it was really nice uh, to see that. Uh, to see that interplay between Humberdown and Strato and Laura Parker, uh, you know, you can you can really uh, you can really kind of quote sync your you can kind of they they emoted very well together, and yes. uh, I think you could see that uh, in the in the role playing. We also found that that Angelique's quite good at um, dishing it out, but she's not very good at taking it. No, nope. Can't do it. She can't take it. You're right. You're right. And uh, and, uh, and what happened to Tony Peterson during all this? That that was another thing. They just kind yeah, of he's kind of gone on vacation, maybe. After that seance in the cellar of the old house, we just never saw him again. Just like we never saw Frank Garner again. Right. Oh know? yeah, and, he totally disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was another cutie. Well, we know that the actor who played Frank Garner wanted a raise, and that's why he was written off the show. Um, <laughs> but then again, but, there's uh, another there's another protective for Victoria, isn't it? Oh, mm-hmm. yes, I think. There's another one. Um, yeah. Another protector. But I also have to sit there and say that if you look at Dark Shadows at the beginning, we had like a manageable group of characters. We're now, I mean, the here we are now and you know 
you know, you know, in the 500 episodes. And basically, our our characters are basically our cast of characters have doubled, haven't they? I mean, and we. So I mean, so that's a lot of chess playing with a lot of characters and making sure that they're all being maneuvered around this board of dark shadows and making sure that all their storylines are, you know, that's the reason why like you got Maggie and Joe kind of falling over to the side a little bit and, you know, mm. that we're seeing and David Hennessy's kind of fallen off to a little bit of the side because mm-hmm. we have, the, we have like the main storylines and now, and then, mm-hmm. and you can see the writers trying to find ways of making sure that we don't forget about these other people because mm-hmm. you know, well, that's we, part uh, of the beauty of it. That's, uh, yeah. that's part of what keeps the intelligent fans interested uh, in the characterization uh, elements uh, that that go in that go into the show, um, this was a very good. This was a very good thing for the for the fans at the time. I think that we're going through the uh, machinations of uh, you know of, of, of absorbing uh, what was going on. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, I'm, you know, I, I was, I was, I was pretty pleased with it. Uh, what do you think, Jeff? Well, by this time, the focus of the series had changed, uh, and the, now the focus was on Barnabas and all of the other supernatural characters and the mortal characters, Roger, Elizabeth, Carolyn, Vicky were used now more as victims. They were on the receiving Mm. end of whatever Mm, plot the supernatural characters were driving. Mm -hmm. And you remember that famous still of, uh, uh, of Vicky cowering under the four supernatural characters who were menacing her. Yep. Yep. Barnabas, uh, uh, Cassandra, Nicholas, and Adam. Good point. And, uh, and, and that was, uh, and and actually it's not a triumvirate but more of a quadriumvirate or you know whatever you want to call it um and uh it was um what you and as what you're gonna see is it it goes i think to even greater heights uh later later on as uh the bottom line is is that angelique is not dead and uh and that's going to be, you know, and the fans and the fans at this point think, well, maybe they were trying to finally kill her off altogether. Maybe that's what the writers uh, had intended, but that's not going to happen. Uh, you're going to, you're going to see, you're going to see. I kind of wish again. they kept around a little bit longer because I think it'd be nice to see Angelique being the victim because it was quite good it was quite nice well, seeing her being the victim of something being done to her yeah. even though she, yeah. she she does deserve it i mean it was kind of a abrupt, be, i thought well it, it would have been nice if there was like a tearing down of angelie let's tear down you know let's nicholas tear her down bit by bit so she, we see this broken woman because then what would happen is that by the time we got to this broken woman we would start feeling pity for her yeah and yeah sort of thing yeah. and that would have been quite nice because what we get is like you know, we get spoiled child Angelique who's so used to getting away with whatever everything she's done so far. She's gotten right. away with. Let's face it, everything in seventeen ninety five. She got away with it. Yeah. She she has not been held accountable for anything. That well, present day, Sarah, Cassandra, every single thing. Be. Okay, her. You know, everything. Things she has. There has been no competent compensation for her whatsoever. You know, she hasn't had to pay for all the horrible things this person's done. And um, but she will. 
Yeah. Well, she finally, I mean, she did when basically he's like, Nicholas, don't, you know, whatever you do, don't touch Adam. And of course, right. But, but I mean, to be honest, I think that was quite good because that does, I mean, if you had 100 to 200 years worth of getting away with murder, you know, right. Basically, you know, thing is like, well, fine, you can question me all along. So, you know, know, so I can understand that sort of thing. And of course, it does backfire on her. And that's the way this block ends, basically, with Cassandra's demise for now finally dies and that's uh and that's and that's a nice nice little tribute you know uh as uh barnabas finally looks into the camera and says free i'm free uh and you really and that's what the fans want and you really get that uh you you really get that impression but you and i know you can never keep a good bitch down and that's they what happens. always rise and up that's they what happens. they all they rise, rise the, again the cream they just rise to the top <laughs> i loved those dramatic emotional scenes with angelique aging cloaked at the old house holding a gun on barnabas and all of a sudden she develops she develops the cloak and puts it over her head and all of a sudden you see that and you're like wow where is, uh, you know, she where did is that, that when she from? showed up at Sam's as well with the painting? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I didn't like the they The writers the reverted witch. to making her age again. And you have that Dorian Gray uh, scenes uh, where the painting ages in relation to her. And that's the and that is an undercurrent of this block, which is going to be used more extensively later on in another block. And, uh, and, and, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's interesting, uh, to see that, but in a way, uh, it, it was, it was kind of an, it was, I didn't like to see that again. I, I kind of hope that. Well, it's a bit they, like the Elizabeth Stoddard, um, obsession over death again. It's like, oh, can she just, yeah, come, yeah. can she just think a little bit outside the box here? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, we've seen this before. Exactly. Her Lady Macbeth wringing her hands out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh so we so we like, take a volume like a normal person, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know, and just the heck and you know, and the heck with this. I mean, remember Elizabeth is in is is in the hospital in Wincliffe now somewhere while all this is going on. She always gets hospitalized. While Joan Bennett takes a nice <laughs> vacation. Yeah. She always, comes, she always comes back with a nice tan. Yeah, she do. <laughs> but we don't. So Wincliffe's Win- a good place for sunbeds, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't, we don't always see, uh, you know, Joan Bennett enjoying herself while, you know, she's off at the... Uh, uh, and uh, actually, Aww. I think Roger uh, makes a little faux pas. Uh, well, what is it? Uh, calling her Mrs. Uh, oh, uh, what, who, who, Roger calls uh, somebody Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Stoddard, uh, or is it or is it Carolyn? Uh, there's a blooper. There's a blooper where um, they refer to uh, uh, where I think Carolyn refers to uh, somebody refers to one of them as Mrs. Stoddard. But anyway, um, the 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 nice thing. The, the nice thing about that is that you can uh, really uh, you, you can really look at and uh, and, and see uh, the Mrs. Stoddard's uh, Liz's portrayal. Uh, I think in a more in, in a more realistic light, uh, and, 
and uh, you know, and the reference and the reference is made. Uh, so you know, so that so that part is as well as others are pretty decent. The question I probably have is when Angelique's the final scenes that we have with Angelique is basically her begging for forgiveness mm-hmm. from yep. Barnabas. Yep. Yep. Do you think that's do you think it's authentic? Do you come do you think it comes from a true place or do you think it just comes from a self-preservation place? I think it comes from self-preservation and desperation because she's never really been this desperate before because she's a vain woman. Let's face it. She's stunningly mm-hmm. beautiful as the actress and the character. It's like nobody wants to see an ugly Angelique, you know? And so we, you almost kind of feel for, at least I do, because nobody wants to look that bad. Trust me. Aging's one thing, but that's just terrible. To be honest, though, <laughs> I, agree. I don't, I don't I know if she's that vain, because if, if she was that vain, that pig picture of her that they oh, painted around that, that's the, that's the worst painting ever of Angelique I don't I've think it's seen. that bad. It's not no, great. But they it's gave her a bad. pig nose. It doesn't even, I mean, the eyes are there, but the rest of the face isn't. It's like, where did they get this painting? Well, if I was, if I was, if I, I was Angelique and I'm coming back to the present and that pig picture is running around, the first thing I would do is I'm destroying that picture. I'm getting a new picture painted of me. There's no way I'm letting this thing stick around. Was it Night of Dark Shadows? They had that big portrait of her. Yep. It was yep. really pretty. You're yeah, also going to see another portrait of her later on. Time. You're going to see another portrait of her later on, which is quite stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, Jeff knows he, what I'm talking about. Um, but to be honest, um, to have a painting of the Scully maid done, probably, so there probably wouldn't be a painting of Angelique. Well, really she was there. married she was, she was to Barnabas, you got to remember. For like, for like a day. You know, that didn't last. I mean, I don't, I don't. I never know. got a divorce. So they've been married for 200 years. Yeah. Yeah. So but what, but what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, is like, you know, I don't think there, I don't, I don't think there was a painter that was coming and taking her picture and having her sit for like three weeks while they're right. painting her portrait at that point. Sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I mean, she was a scully maid. So, I mean, portraits of scully maid weren't really done at that time. So it's amazing. Right. There's yeah. a painting of yeah. it all really. Yeah. But I think they kind of missed. I think they kind of missed the boat in uh, not dramatizing that. Uh, you know, painting a little better. Uh, I, I, you know, in you know, in terms of uh, in terms well, they of bringing multiple out copies of that painting as well, didn't they? Really? Yeah. I mean, we have the, yeah, we have the yeah. faded painting. We have the the one that um, Sam's working on, and we get the various variations of what's happening in that, and the you know, the Dorian Gray nod. Um, sort of thing, and the painting they, they, I loved. And then we get the clean, and then and then we get the bright, the brighter pictures. Like when she comes back, if you notice, the picture is brighter. It's a, a lot more vivid when she comes. When yep. she brings it back, yep. and then it's so, shit, so we faded. Have quite a few different versions of that. Yeah, it's it's faded. I like how uh, they borrowed from the classics, though. A lot yeah. of these storylines, kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, no, no, there's no doubt. So uh, you know, so. So what? So what we? So I think what we have in essence is uh, is something that's really put together well, uh, and uh, it's an excellent block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, no doubt. And uh, I'm, you know, and I'm pretty satisfied in the main as to how uh, every, you know, the characters, even even Harry Johnson's little little twerpish attitude uh comes together and uh you have the whole is better than the sum of the parts uh, to use the gestalt theory uh do you agree jeff 
Yes, I agree. These episodes are very well written and um, um, really propelled the story at a time when Dark Shadows was gaining popularity mm-hmm. uh, every day. You know, 1968 and 69 are the years that are remembered as the apex of Dark Shadows in terms of viewership and merchandise and fan interest. Yes. Absolutely. brings us to who our favorite character of this block was and who our least favorite character of this block and because this is vicky's favorite segment we're going to start I with you vicky you do that to me <laughs> oh favorite character i'm gonna have to go with uh angelique's brother blair mm-hmm. nicholas he just just because he's a horrible person for one and he does it really <laughs> well and because of the way he looks and he puts his eyeliner on better than me but uh, I like how he's just he's just evil incarnate and he does it with such finesse. And I almost have temp- I was almost half thought that maybe they would put some horns with a pitchfork and give him the pointed tail, you know, at that point. But uh, yeah, I really I enjoyed his performance. He was kind of well, Louis Edmonds was always my favorite, as you guys know. But Louis doesn't get the one liners and all the cool stuff anymore. seems like he's getting it now. So. And God, I hate it when I don't have any bad characters. Was was uh, <laughs> was was the son in this one? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> obviously it wasn't yeah. momentous for me. Had he gone up and found him, Adam, and the he, he did find Adam at this point up in the attic. That was then. What was his? What's his purpose still? On the, I mean, I know. Um, I, I think in a previous life he was a wooden door. No, oh, he was no oh, Gifford. He's so remember. <laughs> He's well, he such an actor. He did he's better as the bad sailor, you know. For he was yeah. still wooden as that as well. I mean, this is like you know, he's threatening you for your life, and you'd be like, you just blow on him, he just fall over. He yeah. kind of reminds me of Danny Bonaducci. I don't know why. Ah. Yeah, kind of, sort of. But yeah. remember, but- Vicky, he's Noah Gifford in seventeen ninety five. He yeah. was that rapscallion that uh, got you know that that got done, that was done away with. Uh, I mean, Vicky killed him. But when he came Vicky, back, Vicky history, kills you. Shows you how weak you are. Yeah. yeah. When he came That's into true. the when That's he came true. into the story as Harry Johnson, I think maybe more was going to be done with him because yeah. Mrs. Johnson was yeah. very worried to have him in the house, and I believe right. they mentioned that he had been in prison. So maybe it was going to be a story in which he tried to steal from the Collins family. I thought it family. was going to be like another Willie kind of thing that was going yes. to happen, but it never uh-huh. really came to any fruition. But as far He's as a that, heavy. I'd have to say, though, if I had had to pick two, Angelique and all of her desperation and stuff, that was, you know, I just love Laura Parker. She just, you yeah. know, she's just fantastic in these episodes. So He's a heavy. There's uh, the Harry I Jones. think if you're heavy, though, I think you need to, I think, I think if you're going to be a heavy in anything, I think you kind of have to have that bravado as an actor to be that heavy. Okay. And I, and I think, I think. I think he's miscast. I I think he he must have known someone that the you know I I can't see. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I think that I think he probably got along with everyone in the seventeen ninety five. So it's like oh let we can use you know let's bring Mr. Johnson. So we'll use him because he you know we liked him. 
And I don't think yeah. Uh, yeah. so far so far what we've seen of him. Well actually though, Adam Adam's quite so strong too, though. You know, after we interviewed him that one, you know, several Robert months back, Reagan, you know, and knowing how much he put into the part and how he studied child development to do this part. Mm. Yep. I mean, you yep. gotta give him a real huge nod. So Oh yeah. Oh yeah, no, there's there's no doubt. Uh so I mean I think that the um no, Robert Robert Rodan especially, and you know he should be mentioned because Robert Rodan especially, I think did a great job yes, uh, in terms of uh, the uh, the import, the communication, the, uh, the the he brought a lot of intelligence also uh, to the role, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and the you know the the character interplay and. Uh, Oh God, um, you know. So, so, so we, yeah. So I agree. He does have to be. He does. It's have hard to, to be just pick one or two, but I'm going to stop, y'all. Who's who's everybody's favorite? And... How about yourself, Jeff? Who's your favorite character of this block, and who's your least favorite character of this block? Well, my five favorite characters in the whole show are Barnabas, Julia, Angelique. Um, um, uh, Nicholas and Stokes and okay. all of them are very active in this story. There are a couple of episodes in which only those five yeah. characters appear. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I really enjoyed this storyline for that reason, but um, I would have to say Julia. Uh, she was She's just a badass. <laughs> yeah. She was my, one of my favorite characters throughout the no run kidding. of the show. And uh, uh, I, uh, she was my favorite in, in this part. And I, I hate to list a least favorite, but I guess it would be Jeff Clark. Um, I like Roger Davis as a, a person, as an actor. Uh, he He's very friendly at Dark Shadows Festivals. And he yeah. came to Nashville years ago and made a low budget movie called Nashville Girl. But I, uh, I just didn't I didn't care for his character. I, I, I didn't uh, care for that character of Jeff Clark. So I irritating. He would be the least favorite, although he and all of the people on the show were good actors. What about yourself, Tom? No doubt that Nicholas Blair uh, took everything by storm. Um, he, yeah. uh, Allen Estrado, is uh, a marvelous character actor. And uh, Laura Parker, in her interview with us, talked about how uh, she um, was, she looked upon Humbert Allen Estrado as a mentor. Uh, when they when they work together, uh, she's um, what, what is what what can you say about her? She's uh, she's quite brilliant uh, in in the role as Angelique here, and uh, really played against him very well uh, in terms of uh, in, in terms of emoting, and. Um, I, uh, I, I just think that the, and so, but in terms of best, a hundred Allen Estrado was very commanding and he took this block by storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the least favorite. Um, well, let's see. Uh, well, I guess the least favorite once again has got to be Harry Johnson uh, <laughs> for guy- his, are we uh, making his, fun of the dead? Is he alive? <laughs> uh, no, he isn't. No, he isn't. Uh, the you know Craig Slocum uh, was a was a was a good character, uh, and 
they, you know, they didn't give him a lot to do. They didn't. It's what you do with the, I mean, it's what the writers do with the character with any soap opera. Cause I mean, I still watch general hospital religiously taping it right now as we speak. And I mean, sometimes I just want to throttle the writers. Like, what yeah. are you What's thinking? The... <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. What did he, one of the characters I think went on to be uh, what DL Crow or something like that. But uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, blanking out on the name but um yeah I, I mean harry johnson was really overlooked uh i think in terms of uh in in terms of the contributions so so there's there's yeah you know craig slocum uh goes down as my least favorite uh, in terms of, uh, in, 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 but, but that's probably going to happen because Craig Slocum was not, uh, really not, res- he really wasn't respected, uh, for the, for his, contri- for his contribution. Um, no, sadly. And, and, and again, you know, they just didn't give him a lot. And it was, this was the, this is really this, uh, I mean, when I look upon the fan black and Clara's Blackbird appears once. So when I think of the, you know, when I think of the interplay here, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking, uh, that th- this was more like in the, uh, in the, uh, what was the, the Lugosi 34 black cat, where you had these two, mm-hmm. fa- we had these two characters, um that was excellent movie mm-hmm. oh my god oh, oh yeah and, and you had these two com- comedic relief characters you know one uh, the inspector and his and his uh sidekick that's come the from... one where he skins uh boris carl that's alive, right right that's that was right. like oh man that was just so cool. That's right. We we, we <laughs> talked about that, you know. I ripped the skin from your body, yeah. bit by bit. Oh, well, that was God. Well, yes, Keith. A brutal uh, I mean, gothic horror movie that takes place in a fabulous ultra modern house. Uh huh. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a messed up house, wasn't it? <laughs> it, it, it sure it sure was uh but uh so just like you had those two comedic characters in that movie uh it's that's the same kind of thing that you have with mrs johnson and harry right uh where you have that uh you know where you have that that comedic interplay uh but between the two characters so i i think that um you know so what are you going to do uh, you, you know, you have that, uh, you know, but other than that, uh, I, I think that it was very humorous, uh, to see those two working together, even if it was, uh, kind of nonsensical, uh, you know, the, 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 to see the two, um, so that's, that I think is where you have that. My favorite character in Black is Adam. I think um, I think I like the nuances that we get, and I like the character development that we mm-hmm. have. And to mm-hmm. be honest, this could have been the hammiest, worst <laughs> thing that you could have seen. But to be able to have it handled so sensitively in the way that it was handled, in the way that he portrayed it, I my hats are off to him because it's probably the hardest thing to pull off that we yep. that we see yep. in this block and so i'm yep. going to give them that honorable mention has to be um grayson hall is julia and mm-hmm. john carlin is willie when they're 
when they're mourning Barnabas. I thought there's some <laughs> real, real deep emotional re- re- um, residence going on with their scenes there. There's a sweetness there, and it's and Dark Shadows. It's very, very rare that you get sweetness and uh, no kidding. Willie was crying. Yeah. Willie was crying literally when I know Barnabas Willie started. really, really took to Barnabas after a couple of Katie's. You know? <laughs> he loved them. And, and, and I, and I think that's, God, I think that's great. Uh, Willie gave a pathos. Uh, Carlin gave pathos to the character. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's certainly, that's certainly commendable. Um, and, uh, gee, uh, you know, what, what, what else is there? What else is, you know, I mean, the, the, the two of them, uh, Grayson Hall and Carlin are just like looking down at the floor, uh, literally saying, well, what are we going to do now? And uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's important. I think that's important to see. Absolutely. Now, my least favorite character is Harry Slocum. And then the reason it has to be is not so much as the actor or anything like that. But no. it's um, the problem basically is, is that we kind of have this character that's supposed to be this menacing, but he's as menacing as like a termite. Yeah. And it's basically, you know, it's, it's just it's like a gnat. It's like, you know, or, you know, a fly in the soup. Is that is that kind it's of annoying ability? It's nothing, it's, it's nothing to make this. <laughs> but it's nothing to you know, and I have to sit there and say it's just that there's a lot of you know it's, it kind of reminds me of this little boy who talks about who talks about a big game, but there's nothing to back that big game up. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. and you know and and yeah, I know there's supposed to be a storyline there that you know with his mom and stuff like that, but that hasn't come to fruition. And then we get him to the point that basically we can finally see all this stuff that we've heard about him and all this nuances and all this ego that's supposed to happen. We actually get a chance to see that. And we don't with with him discovering Adam and, you know, he tries to blackmail Carolyn. And I mean, if Carolyn can outdo you in a blackmail scheme, you know that you're a a pretty weak character. Oh, and by the way, it's interesting. Don't you see what's going on when Carolyn um, takes on the, now the role as head of the house, uh, which uh, happened once before when Liz had uh, an issue, I think, in the first year, and uh, she is, uh, and she is quite effective. Uh, I, I, once again, she steps to the plate, and uh, she gives that role uh, emphasis, which. Um, you know, which and it's a tribute to Nancy Barrett. It's more yeah, unspoken yeah. this time uh, because uh, you know Nancy. You know, because you see, you don't. You know, Nancy. You know, last time it was a big deal between Roger and Carolyn, a push pull kind of tug of war thing. But this time, uh, you know, you know, Nancy Barrett is very matter of fact with Harry Johnson, and she's going to straighten things out. And, uh, you know, and let him know where he gets off. Uh, and, you know, the same thing with Stokes and the same thing with it. It's quite good. Now we get to the segment of our overall thoughts of these episodes. And starting with you, Tom, what are your overall view of these episodes? Strong block. 
uh, not as many characters. As, last block, everybody got their chance to shine in the sun. Uh, this time, uh, you're. This time, it's they're 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 coming on late, you know, uh, rather than rather than all at once. Uh, but they're still they're still given something to do, uh, and. Um, uh, you know, again, all this is uh, ticketed towards the denouement of uh, of Angelique uh, and uh, the final episode regarding the uh, dream curse and the failure of the dream curse uh, to get to Barnabas, mm. which everybody was hoping, everybody was hoping would happen. Uh, the uh, the in. At the end of the day, uh, what you you know you 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 just don't have the uh, you you don't have the emphasis uh, and 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 the force. But at this, but at the same time, uh, there is it, it's it's all handled very I think very effectively in the main, with the with the exception. Of uh, of Harry and Mrs. Johnson, uh, and uh, it's uh, I, I I think I think it's well done. Cool. What about yourself, Nick? Oh, like I said earlier, I thought it was a really strong block, and I think it was a strong block because we narrowed in on some of the characters, and there was you know those storylines were you know having to come to some kind of culmination, like with Angelique and with Nicholas and. And you had, you know, Barnabas and the Julia and the Willie thing going on. But every bit, and you have Adam and he's, he's growing up, so to speak, you know, and then you have um, Nancy Barrett's relationship with him, Caroline and him. So there's a whole lot going on, but it's a little more condensed. And I think that's why it worked so well. And I guess we'll just see in the next book. And what are your stuff, Jeff? What are your final thoughts? Oh, I think these episodes are quintessential dark shadows um they are what i think about when i think about the show you know if i said to you if i said the phrase american history to you you would immediately think of something the revolutionary war or the fdr years or something and when when i think of dark shadows i think of 1795 or i think of barnabas julia stokes angelica nicholas in this Mm -hmm. period this to me is Dark Shadows, when the show was so popular and the characters were so uh, shocking and and startling and endearing to the daytime audience. So um, I think we're really in the thick of Dark Shadows right right now. And it gets better. Uh, And that's that's the beauty of it. uh, That you can't really, you know, when you, at this point, when I agree with you, Jeff, uh, when you think of Dark Shadows, in this particular period, you think of uh, you think of Angelique, and you think of uh, uh, what's going to happen to her. Which uh, I don't want to give it away, but uh, it's probably one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite pieces uh, mm-hmm. of of the whole block. And um, she's Lara Parker is just scintillating in the role. Uh, it's a tribute. It's a tribute to her, her beauty. And uh, the 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 successful way that she's able to pull it off. Uh, so uh, 
Look, so stay tuned, guys. The best is yet to come. Yep. My final thoughts of this block is that um, I like a block that we get some emotional residents, and I think we're get lucky in this block that we got two. We have the the death of Barnabas with um, Julia and Willie, which I thought spoke volumes. It was so well played and so well done. We get the, the tenderness of Adam and Carolyn and Carolyn trying to make sense of this and trying to that. And I thought that was very well played. And of course, and I had to sit there and say that we're starting to see, we're starting to see the writers actually manage the characters a lot better than what we've seen previously. Yeah. Make, yeah. Making sure that everyone, yeah. everyone's being maneuvered in a, in a perfect way. And I think that that's very strong. And I also like the idea that we're now starting to see them let scenes breathe and before that things were kind of very very quick they hit them off they go we're, we're on to the next sort of thing and i think that now we're actually seeing that they're actually figuring i think in this block is actually we're figuring out what dark shadows has finally come up to the point with about timing and what to let breathe and what to move on with and we're getting that nice balance in this and we're seeing this happen and we started seeing bits of this happening in the previous blocks of, but this block we're seeing the writers and every and everyone funny being a becoming the masters of their crafts and we're also seeing and they're actually giving the actors room to actually play their parts as well it's not as i know that they're probably still under a time restraint but they seem like they were giving them a lot more time to breathe and that, that's what i like about this block yeah so. yep So this brings us to the end of Dark Shadows, and we want to thank Dr. Jeff Thompson for joining us. Thank you for joining us, Jeff. Well, thank you for inviting me. I enjoyed it. Our next episode will be Soap. We'll be covering the last um, eight episodes of season one. And of course, we'll have our Dinah Manoff interview, which will be coming to you next week as well. We also will be um, going into may which will be the picture of dorian gray which will be our classic books of the screen and we'll be covering the classic 1946 film with angela lansbury looking 70 years old because that's the age she's always looked and of course with a fantastic george sanders and we also be covering our bewitch which will be coming to the end of season one with that and of course our two for one will be dealing with the apocalypse with the classic 1983 film the day after and testament the 1980 film, 1983 film starring Jane Alexander. And of course, we'll be continuing our dark, dark shadows. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Vicki. Good night, everybody. Good night, Tom. Good night. Uh, once again, a pleasure to discuss this block. And uh, I hope you all fare well. And thank you for joining us again. And good night to you, Jeff. Thank you. Good night, Vicki, Tom, and good Keith. Night. Great having you on, Jeff. Great having you on. Excellent. And we'll be seeing you next week for Soap.